I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round nine and preview of double game week round 10. This episode is brought to you by Wiskovich Travel Agency, getting you out of town whenever you need to save face. Uh, um, No, sorry. Uh, Actually, brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing Reddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and today I'm joined by a lean co-host crew. We had injury expert Michael Denton and our Western Conference analyst, Phil Luchford. How are you guys doing? Doing How well. How are you all? Doing well. I think, did I, from the last episode, is there a, a blooming bromance going on right here? No, no. Phil dumped me. He beat me in head-to-head, and is no. I'm no longer his favorite host, so <laughs> boom. <laughs> Whatever bromance there was is is gone. I mean, there's still room for second favorites, Mike. You're right <laughs> up there still. <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Just this, the second best. How fickle! How right. fickle! <laughs> fantasy players and teams and the game is in general. Well, he's, I mean, Phil, Phil's not like Jason. You can't buy his love. So, I mean, I, at least I respect Phil for that. You show up after you lose, right? Yeah, I, I show up. I've been here every week. You know, mostly this year with terrible scores, facing the music, uh, unlike other people who, you know, score 44 points on a double game week, even though it wasn't this double game week. And then they hide for, you know, months at a time. Calibating <laughs> <laughs> across places for birthdays and travel. Psh, whatever, whatever. Well, All you're excuses. talking about it, Mike. So how, how did you guys do during round nine? Well, um, this is the one week where my team actually didn't suck. I got 97 points, um, which was uh, one of the top. It was the 128th best score of the round. Wow. <laughs> and I, like, I moved up 500 spots, so I'm now in the top 600. So, yeah, um, I had a Rudy, and I think that was the big differential since. Yeah, for sure. I had a Rudy, uh, Jovan Jones, and uh, Ladero. And those differentials, I think, were, were the big big keys. Um, I had four in the back, got hit all the clean sheets. Um, you know, Bendick and goalkeeper uh, Madronda got Sporting Kansas City's clean sheet. And so even though I posted on Twitter that my team was toast because I figured with everyone with Almiron and Sasha Kleshin, who I didn't have, I figured they were going to hit big and I had Piotti do a two and then unexpectedly Sasha did a two and Almiron did a three, I think. So kind of a weird one that somehow I lucked into doing well on. I scored uh, 78, which was uh, pretty good. I still moved up overall slightly. I'm 102nd overall. Uh, My back line, I split between Orlando City and Sporting Kansas City. So I got all those clean sheets. But then I fell into that Kleshjian Almiron trap where they both got three points. I also had Vasquez on Toronto. He's an eight-point machine, and he only got five. So what's the deal there, Vasquez? <laughs> Come on. And uh, I tried a little something with Dempsey since he was on fire before. And, well, Seattle got three goals, and he got none of them. 
And uh, Kyle Laren can't score in every game, so they're three points and four points for me. Well, he's not playing a New York team. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I hit that same range where you were, Phil. I got 73 points. The Atlanta game killed me. I thought I was going to have a pretty good return with yeah. with uh, Bialba and Khan both going to that game, but that did not turn out as I or I think many people expected. What kills me, and I think many fantasy managers can relate to this, what kills me is I look at the team I settled on, and a lot of it for me changed because I decided I, decided I wanted Geo in the team, right. so I rearranged a lot of that. And I just see the way the games turn out, and I think, man, if I had just stayed with what I had like an hour before the, the lineup, I'd have been <laughs> in a much better spot. Like I had Bruin in my team. I had his little switcheroo going. I had two Sporting Kansas City, two Orlando, and I was like, yeah, no, Geo. <laughs> so, but I think I think many people can relate to that. And, you know, it's it's kind of fun when those things happen. But, yeah, I had uh, – I had uh, Merrim and Alessandrini and Kleshton down there in, in, in my midfield not helping. And I had Edwards sitting on my bench right there. He was the second sub, and but um, I didn't get to get to him. So disappointment. Disappointment, but 73. I'm still in um, 150, so I'm right there at that at that overall. So not not a bad score. Went up. I saw some green arrows in my head-to-head, so that's always nice for me since that's what I'm I'm really into right now. But now we're going to get to housekeeping. Oh, no, not housekeeping yet. Uh, Takeaways. Guys, what did you think uh, about uh, all these crazy results? A lot of them came from the away teams. Uh, Vancouver over Montreal, New York over Columbus, San Jose over Minnesota, D.C. over Atlanta. Uh, What's up with that? Was this just the way the pendulum swung this round? MLS is just such an even league that any team can win on any given day. Uh, so I think you saw some of those uh, any given day type scores. Uh, you look at, for example, the Atlanta DC game. I mean, Atlanta should have been up two goals within four minutes, and it just didn't happen. Uh, so things like that uh, just occur in MLS, and you just kind of have to roll with it. Roll yeah, with it, or I, just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, d- definitely try to enjoy it because because the, the ride is a lot of fun. The, the DC Atlanta yeah. one's the, the real shocker. It, it, even by expected goals, Atlanta put up 2.6 mm-hmm. and only managed to get one of those in the back of the net. Um, DC really had no business winning that game. Um, the other ones I think were kind of expected. Um, I think the big takeaway from San Jose, Minnesota, is that Minnesota's had real problems the last two weeks playing more defensive teams. Uh, yeah. You know, the beginning of the week, beginning of their schedule they take place teams like portland and atlanta uh, and had more success and seen more uh, offensive success for players like molino but when the last two weeks within the even though they've been at home playing teams that have a much more defensive style it's um they haven't had the success so uh that's going to be interesting this week when they play uh sporting kansas city which we'll talk about i mean minnesota hit the crossbar uh they were did it they did everything but score um, same with uh, Vancouver and Montreal. I mean, Montreal had the, the better chances in that game. It's just that they didn't score. And then Jacobson had that rocket volley. That was just insane. Mm-hmm. So if you... And, and Montreal all- had to burn those subs early with um, the two injuries that we'll talk about. Uh, you know, you having to replace a forward right. and then replace the re- forward's replacement. I mean, that, it's always hard, even though you're at home, to win. Um, but Montreal's also really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, a couple of other teams I want to mention. Uh, we had two 
big surprising draws as well as my opinion and new york or not north new york sorry i'm thinking you mike new england <laughs> drew with seattle after being up three zero and then that came back is that a, a theme <laughs> run again with philadelphia last week but then philly drew with la in what is probably more bad news for la zero zero with that game uh, is this a resurgence for new england or just luck or wh what's up with la and philly I'll, I'll talk on New England first. The expected goals say that New England's a pretty decent team. They're not above the red line, but they're in the top 10 both offensively and defense um, by expected goals. So I, I think that's tend to be more strength on New England's part, you know, going into Seattle, which has been one of the best teams uh, so far this season, and even getting that draw, even though they blew it late, uh, I think is a sign of some strength for them. For LA, they're just bad. They're I mean, th this is kind of a – you was expecting a real big game um, with Anofalo kind of going on the hot seat this week and everyone talking about how bad they were. For them to put out a stinker and, and really not be competitive, uh, I don't think they generated a whole lot of chances against Philly. Um, I mean, Philly just kind of came in and bunker, and L.A. couldn't do anything about it. And when you're Philadelphia and L.A. is putting against Alessandrini and Giovanni Dos Santos, you're expecting goals and chances at home when you're facing an Easter Conference opponent who's had to fly across three time zones. Um, I, I, I just I, I don't know, other than Alessandrini, anyone from L.A. you would want right now. If even him. So the other thing that I felt disappointed about was as Javinko did not – get the points like I hoped. Uh, I, feel, I feel a little burnt with, with that price tag. Altador got goals, so great for Toronto, all the Toronto fans out there. Bad for fantasy players. Is is this another bit of evidence that suggests that that 12.0 plus price may not quite be worth it for Geo? Well, I think you're, you're paying a little bit for consistency, right? Because Josie will score two goals in one game and, and kind of be absent in another game, whereas Giovinco is involved in basically every chance that they have. So so some of that price is is the consistency factor. Uh, if you're looking at expected goals plus expected assists per 90, they're not that different this year. Um, and I, I know Matt Doyle ran a piece that showed uh, over the last 34 games how many goals and assists players have scored, and, and Josie was in the, the top five or ten. So I think if you're trying to save a buck or two, then then try Josie. Why not? Yeah, I actually have a different opinion from you, Reed, because I, I look at this game where Giovinco gets eight points even with only one assist and think, ah, this is the Giovinco we've been looking for because this is the yeah, Giovinco no, that wild. gets um, a point for fouls, a point for shots, and an attacking bonus. So to me, this is the kind of performance that suggests Giovinco is closer to being worth that price tag. Um, but now, like uh, Phil said, Josie's really caught up there. He's doing almost as well uh, as Giovinco in expected goals. I think it's like 0.46 a game for uh, Josie, whereas Giovinco's uh, 0.55 or something like that. So Josie's certainly a very good competitor if you want to save that, you know, two two million. But it, for for Giovinco, if you're spending that two million, it's because you think he's going to get the goals and the bonus points. Um, and for a lot of single weeks, I, I don't know if that's going to be quite enough since we've seen um, in the way the scores have turned out that the bonus points maybe aren't enough to get you those scores because consistency doesn't really matter anymore since it's a one-week-off thing. But um, if, if Giovinco can do more of what he did against Houston, where is he putting up the bonus points, 
I think he's going to be closer to to justifying that price tag. Yeah, I mean, Giovinco takes like more than twice as many shots per game. He's going to get more assists on the average. Uh, he dribbles more. He gets more touches in the ball. And all those are factors to why he should be more expensive than Josie. Great points. The last thing that I'm going to touch on before I just let open it up to anything else you guys want to add is because Jason's gone, of course we have to point out that Sporting Kansas City stomped Real Salt Lake. <laughs> 3-0. That's pretty massive. Pretty massive. Yeah, I, there's almost nothing redeeming about Real Salt Lake's performance. I think uh, I think Schuler had kind of an okay game, <laughs> and uh, like the I was reading the RSL uh, soapbox blog today, and they were saying like Rusnak almost did something in this game, <laughs> so and they got stopped. So and almost some pretty goods don't really do much for your fantasy score. Yeah. At the end, yep. Uh, so that's all I have, guys. Anything else fantasy-worthy that stands out to you from round nine that people need to consider going forward? I'll, I'll mention something. Uh, New York City benched Pirlo for the first time uh, in a oh, long yeah. time. Um, and they played uh, Angel Herrera. And I thought it was really good for Maxi Morales. Um, if you look at Morales's scores, they've been kind of doing better. But I thought this was the first game I've watched that he kind of impressed me. And I think maybe not having to cover from Pirlo because uh, Herrera is a defensive midfielder and unlike Pirlo can actually run. Um, it seemed to really open up Maxi Morales's game. And so I'll be very excited to see that paired with um, David Villa. <clears throat> um, now Herrera is about to go to, I think, the U-20 uh, World Cup with Venezuela. Um, so after this next game, he's going to miss a whole bunch of time. So we may get Pirlo back. But that's something to kind of keep in the back of your minds. Um, you know, the Morales' value may go up if Pirlo um, gets on the bench. How about Florian Youngworth for uh, San Jose? Uh, this guy just gets an insane amount of uh, defensive actions. He had four points off defensive actions. And then uh, if you include a clean sheet, that's five points, a goal, six points. The guy scored 17 points to get player of the week. Uh, <laughs> nobody would have projected that uh, before yeah. the week started. Yeah. But, um, and, and the goal is not repeatable Clean sheets are from time to time for San Jose, but the defensive actions are repeatable. This guy yeah. is just always on the ball. Uh, if you watch his game, he has really good instinct for when to cut the ball out. Um, he's always on the shoulder of the forward, and then he steps in and, and gets a lot of interceptions. So uh, Youngworth, he's going to continue to rack up defensive bonus points. Yeah, and on, on San Jose, don't be afraid of the fact that they haven't kept as many clean sheets. Uh, ben Bear wrote a piece on you know the expected goals saying San Jose's really been unlucky to have conceded as many as they have, and they still haven't been conceding a whole lot. Um, by expected goals, they only give up uh, 0 0.97, which is the second best in the league. That's the same as Orlando's expected goals. Um, so I, I would expect um, some good things from Youngworth going forward. Um, definitely some clean sheets from San Jose. Maybe not this week, but because uh, they play Portland. But uh, going forward, I think the, <laughs> you, you, we'll Youngworth might be have to be on your team. Yeah, we'll talk about that. So moving on to housekeeping, uh, the big news, if you are living under a rock, is this is a double game week, a great double game week. But that means that everything starts on Wednesday the 3rd, May the 3rd. It's the day before May the 4th, and that's a special day for many of us. I think at least me and Mike is pretty important. But anyway, May the 3rd, MLS games start, double game week teams, New York Red Bulls, 
Orlando City, Sporting Kansas City, and Toronto. Guys, we had a question from Reddit. Should we even have single game week players this round? Yeah, I, I think, think it, there's a there's a few matchups that we'll talk about in a minute here where there's a player uh, uh, like one strategy I like to employ is uh, see which teams are going to be uh, the double game week teams are flying a lot and they're going to be prone to to rotate. Maybe they're playing an opponent from the other conference, so the game's not as important to them. In that case, maybe there's a matchup for a single game week team going against a double week team that could be a valuable matchup. Yeah, good point. And speaking of all that travel, that does lead to rotations, and our stats master, Andrew, left a little note for us. He could not be here tonight, but he wanted everyone to know that about a third of players do see rotation from double game week teams during a double game week, but that their players tend to score about 1.5 times more than a single game week player. So that's the kind of points you're looking for. You can't just double it. I've seen on Twitter uh, numbers go as high as maybe 1.7 uh, better than a single game week player, but there is some increased value if you can navigate those rotations. And please do keep a close eye on Toronto because not only do they have a double game week in round 10, but they also have a double game week in round 11. So I believe that is four games in 10 days. So we can imagine there will definitely be some rotation, maybe even in the defender slots during that game. And of course, I'm going to thank everyone from Patreon who continues to donate, who's redonating, who's donating for the first time. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, we're building up the coffers a little bit so we can make another order of pint glasses and trying to get some scarves so I can send out the next wave of swag. Uh, keep those pictures coming. If you've got some uh, cool place that you're displaying your Patreon MLS Fantasy Insider sticker, love to see it. We'll put it on Twitter and share it around. And just thank you so much, guys, for participating to help us be able to keep this podcast going. And now, Mike, give us the most important part of housekeeping, the injury report. Okay, well, I'll start with discipline. Um, I haven't seen a, a Borg video about <clears throat> recapping the discipline decision, so I don't know who's on Disco Watch except for Assad from Atlanta. He elbowed, uh, I think it was Lawrence Sam. Um, pretty sure he's going to get a suspension for that. He's already starting to build up your rep reputation in the league. So that's the big um, worry for a suspension this week. Speaking of suspensions, um, Tim Howard, he's going to be back. His suspension is done, so he will play against Vancouver, presumably. As far as injuries, uh, Bill Hamid, he didn't leave the game, but he was dealing with a groin issue the, the entire match against Atlanta. Uh, keep an eye out to see if he's practicing or having to miss some time. Kyle Beckerman missed with a calf strain. Uh, no uh, timetable given. And the way RSL has been, I wouldn't necessarily trust any timetable that they put out. David Villa, he missed for an illness after traveling, even though we were told that he was healthy. So I'm kind of disappointed we got lied to about that, but that's the way it is. Uh, I'm assuming he'll be available for the next match against Atlanta. Montreal has two injuries, both to the forward position. Mancosu left after five minutes, and then Jackson Hamel left, I think, after the 70th minute. Uh, I'm not quite sure what either of those injuries are, but it did look like they would miss some time. So um, be aware about that for, for not only those players, but for Piatti. Uh, Martinez for Atlanta, he's at least two more weeks away, so uh, don't expect him anytime soon. Uh, Valeri, he missed last week with his injury. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Portland hasn't put out a timetable, so I don't know if he's going to be back this week. Uh, hopefully we'll get something tomorrow on that, or today if you're listening on Tuesday. Um, 
more for Toronto. He got an okay on his uh, heart checkup, but I don't know if that means he can play. Uh, I'm hoping hoping we can get an answer on that, but uh, I know people are asking me, and honestly, I'm just not sure. Initially, Toronto just said it was just going to be until this week, but I don't know how much longer it is. Uh, you know, as we learned with Dempsey, it kind of varies and depends day to day. So uh, be aware of that. More was cleared for his heart condition, so he may play, but I'm not sure. Uh, Archer for Columbus, he's out for the rest of their homestand, which I think takes him into the first part of the double game week next week for them. And then bringing another Toronto player, Clint Irwin trained, but uh, one of the reporters said he was, quote, a bit away from action. So I don't know if he's going to be rotated in. Um, It's certainly uh, a risk since he seems like he's training and healthy, but I'm not quite sure. Um, Hopefully we'll get some updates. Toronto is pretty well covered media-wise. So I might have some more information, but definitely follow me at MLS Injury News because there's some uh, late-breaking stuff on that that I just don't have right now. So that's all the injury news, unless you all saw something I didn't. Well, you mentioned uh, Clint Irwin there, Mike. Are there any other returning players that you think may cut into time of some of the guys that we've been seeing play these past few few weeks, like uh, Kaká or Zizo or... um, AJ, uh, uh, I don't know how to say his name over there with, with uh, Orlando. Uh, uh, any, anybody uh, else like that we're going to point out? Um, I think you mentioned, uh, especially with, with Zizo, um, something I forgot to mention, but I t- tweeted out, uh, Kamar Lawrence had to go to Jamaica today for his grandmother's funeral. Now, Red Bulls said he's expected to rejoin the team um, in Kansas City. But maybe he gets rotated in, um, you know, for Zizo since, you know, he's had a tough weekend, you know, dealing with his personal stuff. Um, that's certainly an option for uh, Orlando. Um, I'm, I'm guessing Barnes or MPG would be the ones that could be rotated out. Uh, I'm not sure Kaká would play 180 minutes, um, especially, um, you know, with both of the games on the road. But those are the two players I would think might be at a rotation risk with Kaká coming back in. Um you mentioned oh aha uh, uh-huh, that that would be that would concern Redding. Um, I, th- I believe Redding started last week with aha uh-huh or Aja on the bench. So I, th- I think those are the players you're kind of worried about. Um, for Toronto, we, we talked about more. Haglin would be the one because Haglin's been playing center in that three-man uh, defensive back line. So I think more um, could taste that take that spot that would uh, decrease Haglin's bonus points and the question is whether Haglin would move out and take where um, Raheem Edwards who is listed as a forward but has been playing defender he might um, get moved to the bench so those are some of the kind of rotation things off the top of my head I can think of now <clears throat> we all know that there's plenty of random rotation just I want to rest especially with Toronto having two double double game weeks in a row that's certainly an option but just off the top of my head looking at the injuries those are the ones I, I would I would say Okay, moving on to our round 10 review. These first couple of games we'll spend a little bit more time on because it covers the four teams that have doubles, so we'll get into that a little bit more. But everything else we're going to touch on a little bit quicker after that. So, Mike, a lot of big names here with Toronto versus Orlando City. How do you think this one's going to turn out? I, I th- I'm i of two minds of this one. Part of me says, like, this is a big Toronto win. The other part of me says it's a nil-nil draw. <laughs> Um, Orlando has a really good defense. Um, they've only had two road games this year. Um, the first game they gave up two goals, but expected goals didn't suggest that they were blown out. And then New York City, they did a really good job on the road. 
Um, so the question is whether or not they can do it on short travel time. I think Toronto ends up winning this game. Um, I'm going to go 2 nothing right now. So um, I think, you know, here you here's here's the game for Toronto that you're hoping the offensive guys hit. Um, you know, look at the lineups. We'll have this one before the deadline hits. Uh, I like Giovinco over Josie, like we said. Um, because of the bonus points that he provides over Josie, where he Josie's more dependent on goals. But if you need the uh, the extra two million, uh, Josie's not a bad pick. Uh, I also think Michael Bradley is is a must have this week. Um, his consistency is absolutely fantastic uh, for a nine point midfielder, and he's not going to get you goals or many assists. But will what he will get you is a whole lot of bonus points. And I, th- I think when you look at a double game week, whether you do 1.5 or double it or whatever, Michael Bradley, you can almost double it because he seems sure like he's going to play uh, 180 minutes. Um, he's just so dependable at getting those bonus points. And when you have two games where he racks up those bonus points, he's going to probably almost certainly get you a double-digit score. So I really like uh, Michael Bradley this week. Uh, I'm not as big on, on the Toronto defenders mostly because of the rotation I just mentioned. I don't know if Bono or Irwin is going to get subbed in, and I don't know what uh, more possibly returning is going to do. But I really like for offensive options, um, Bradley and Giovinco, and we talked last week for Vasquez. So I think those three would be the ones I would target from this game. I don't really love Orlando players in this game because they are on the road. You know, short week usually is not a great recipe for a whole lot of offense for the road team. Okay, so our next game that's coming up is Sporty Kansas City versus New York. Now, this is a game that I think has some potential, but it could also see uh, some rotation. So you may you may want to hedge your bets with this one. Score-wise, I think Sporting Kansas City can get this. They've started to heat up some, found some form. Uh, Dom Dwyer has found uh, three goals and one assist in his last four games. Benny's got a goal and assist over, over three games. And, uh, of course, you know, you have have uh, Madranda always your your super sub out. Can I can we go with that? A super sub out who's going to get you those clean sheet points even when the team doesn't get a clean sheet. Uh, the, these are all guys who are kind of firing on all cylinders, but might be some rotation for later on. Even though I think this is the harder of the two games that Sporting Kansas City is going to face. Uh, so two one I think is very doable for Sporting Kansas City because at the same time I don't think you can count. New York out. They're averaging, the Red Bulls are averaging about one goal per game on the road. So I'm not going to be surprised if we see something uh, that comes out of this, especially um, since Bradley Wright Phillips and, and Kleshen didn't really do much last week. That, that's got to frustrate those types of players. So I don't know if, if it's really worth going in heavy because they do have a conference game later on in the week. So this this might be a time when New York slacks off a little bit. Not slacks. So I don't want to say that. That that's a little harsh. They they could get some resting going, some rotations going to help get those points where they need them to finish above the red line. And as I said, uh, fantasy standouts for me: uh, Madranda, Benny Failhaber, Dom Dwyer. Some of your basics there. Sporting Kansas City defense is always great. So you've got a lot of guys back there to choose from. I mean. You've, I mean, all of them are good options to choose from. They're getting bonus points. And, of course, Malia, if you've got the budget, that's the only downside with some of these guys is they do have a bit of a high price. 
We didn't spend as long as those I thought we would. Uh, uh, one thing to mention on that one is that that game is after going to be after the deadline, so you're not going to see those lineups before um, before you have to lock in, uh, unless they get them like a little bit. Yeah, early let's make sure we know that. That's um, so you're going to get you're going to get TFC Orlando, but you're not going to get yeah. um, New York and Sporting Kansas City. So, kind of have to guess on that. <laughs> You do, you do. Uh, if and I'll go ahead and talk about. I, I spoke with Blaine uh, during today to kind of get an idea. He is our sporting Kansas City expert to find out who might be potential targets for rotation with sporting Kansas City. So I think you got to look at Zusi. He might get some rest. He's been putting up some good points uh, in the midfield for what what's been going on. It's too bad he's not a defender, even though he's playing back there to be able to benefit from some of those points but he's still been doing well could see some rotations uh, also maybe gerso could get rotations and i think madranda has to be someone who's in the consideration for maybe a risk he's already getting subbed out so he may not get as much time as long as he gets 60 though i think that's really all we care about <laughs> is he gets 60 gets that clean sheet bonus and then just pull his butt out put him out there that's <laughs> that's what we all want out of the super sub off this time uh blaine also points out that sporting kansas city will have six games in 22 days so that that could play into some tiredness for them but those are the best targets i see i think the defenders will mostly be okay maybe madronda's is only question mark just because that's what he's tagged in as a defender as as fantasy wise so Colorado versus Vancouver, a lot of key in injuries and absences have Colorado at the bottom of the table. So Phil, do you think being back at home will help them deal with a Vancouver that's on an upswing? Yeah, I mean, this is a double game week. So any any of these single game weeks, they have, there has to be a really good opportunity here. I'm just not really seeing it in this game. Um, Vancouver, uh, if you're looking at expected goals, Per game, they're at 1.17, so just over one goal per game. Colorado, they're at the bottom of the table with 0.85 goals per game. So, I mean, you could try for a clean sheet, I guess, because I think this game's going to be something like 1-0 or 1-1. One one. Uh, but but on either team, I, I don't know who would score the goal necessarily. I guess Vancouver kind of has a, a clear striker in Montero. Uh, he's... He's been okay this year. I, I, I certainly wouldn't pick him when the double game week uh, teams have amazing forwards. Uh, Toronto, Orlando, Sporting Kansas City, New York Red Bulls. They all have a clear striker that that you would pick when they have a good matchup. So I, I really don't think uh, you're, you're buying into any of the offense on either of these teams may be a defender, but I would probably not do that. Um, so one to one final in this game. One to one finals where you settle on that could be that could be pretty. Good. I guess we're looking at Kevin Doyle, maybe the potential scorer for Colorado. I would never recommend Kevin Doyle. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, now we, I waited to mention this until until right now, Phil. 2015 yep. Cup rematch, Seattle, Toronto. Uh, both teams are finding some form. Uh, does Toronto maybe? see some rotation in that first game and throw everybody at this game to kind of get some some sweet revenge. No, I, I, I don't think so at all. I think this, they rotate in this game because uh, Orlando is battling them for the top of the Eastern Conference, whereas Seattle is a Western Conference opponent. Uh, they really wouldn't yeah. care as much to lose a, a point or two to the Western Conference as much as they would care to lose it to Orlando. Um, plus, they're on two and a half days rest 
and they're flying cross country. I mean, that, that's a, and then they're playing on artificial turf. I mean, that's every possible factor against you uh, for this game. So I, I think that Seattle's actually a team where you might uh, go for a single week player. Um, we've got Will Bruin, who has really revitalized the Seattle offense this year, and uh, he is 7.0. So if uh, if you're not sold on these uh, double game week forwards, here's a 7.0 forward and a great run of form playing against a weakened opponent. Uh, so that I think that's a really good shout. Um, you've got Dempsey, who up until last game was on a good run of form. Uh, he actually has more expected goals plus expected assists per 90 than Ladero has at this point. But Dempsey is more reliant on actually scoring the goal, so he's more hot and cold, whereas Ladero has a, a higher floor because of his bonus points that he gets. So uh, if you're looking at a single game week midfielder, Ladero is so expensive, so that kind of kind of kills that idea at 11.5 since they're going to be going for double game week midfielders, you'd think. But, I mean, that could be a really good risk. I mean, if you're a Seattle homer, and you're like, man, I, I kind of want Ladero on my team, then let me push you over the edge here and say go for it because that could be a really good differential pick this week. What kind of scoreline do you think we see? Uh, Seattle win for sure. Um, two or three goals for Seattle and um, maybe 0-1 for Toronto. So it's at like a 3-1 to one, Seattle. 3-1. to one. Go 3-1. to one. Yeah. Sorry about that. I said 15. I meant 2016 MLS. Yeah. Rematch. I don't know what I was thinking. Just this past year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it goes by so quickly, so quickly. Um, DC versus Montreal, stoppable object versus movable force. I don't know. Have, have we, I think we've used that before, but but it still ap applies. Uh, I don't. I don't see much out of this. Montreal desperately needs a win, um, and and I don't think they could come at any worse time for DC to find a, a little bit of. Of a breath of, of air, I, I don't I don't know. Like we said, Atlanta should have had more last week, but DC got the win, so you're going to have some momentum coming off of that. I just don't expect much from this as far as excitement or any good fantasy prospects. Uh, one to one, I can see just looking at how DC tends to be at home and how Montreal tends to be on the road and who is scoring. I I, I could see a one to one in this game. Uh, if you're gonna go with anyone. It, it, they're going to be differential picks. Uh, Acosta with DC, Piatti at Montreal, but this is not a game that I would really advocate, especially with so many better double game week options. So Philadelphia followed a disappointing, blown three-goal lead with a road shutout against LA last week. Mike, is this good news for the Union going into a game against the Red Bulls? Well, the Red Bulls having a midweek match probably gives Philadelphia the only chance. It's the only reason you would consider there to be a draw. Uh, if you look at, you know, by, by expected goals, the Red Bulls have the fifth best offense um, and, and the 11th best defense, whereas Philly has the 13th best offense and the 15th best uh, defense. So, you know, really on an even field, New York is, is going to going to own Philly. But having a midweek match in the middle uh, might hurt them. I'm personally kind of expecting um, the Red Bulls to rotate in that midweek match <clears throat> in order to save up for their Eastern Conference opponent um, since they, they probably will have more success. But the, the big thing I'm kind of looking at at this game is Sasha Kluschen. 
Um, we know he put up two, only two points last week, which is so unlike him. And part of that is because he wasn't completing passes. I think he's gone two weeks in a row, um, as, our, as our friend uh, Sean from the MLS Show League pointed out to me, um, with under 62% passing. So even though the formation change has, we generally thought to help Sasha, his, his passing numbers have gone down. And I don't know if that's a function of having the match with Max McCarty or, you know, just two good um, defensive midfields in Chicago and Columbus or Columbus before all the injuries in the midfield. But I'm thinking <clears throat> this is a game where New York Red Bulls turns it around. I'm expecting Bradley Wright Phillips and Sasha Kleshen to get their points here as opposed to the match uh, in, in Kansas City. So I'm I'm thinking this is 2-1 uh, Red Bulls. I think the union's troubles are going to continue. Um, on, unlike the Seattle match, I don't think there's anyone here from Philadelphia or I would confidently pick um, them to score un- unless you're going like Sapong as a differential. But I-, I think if you're hoping for that with Red Bulls defense, I-, I think you have better options in forward. So I think this is the match where you're hoping the Red Bulls that you invested in um, really ba- get-, get you the points. So staying in the East, Mike, uh, I think a few weeks ago, most people would have easily had picked Columbus to be the easy winner over New England. Uh what are your thoughts now that the Revs seem to be gearing up some after that Seattle game? Yeah, um, they're, they're definitely gearing up. Um, this is going to be an interesting match again. Like I mentioned, Columbus has had some injuries, and, and you could really tell that they missed Artur uh, in the game against New York City. Um, and, you know, New York City was able to do a whole lot of crosses, which they're not used to doing, especially with Moderita out. So um, I'm thinking, I don't know if you're going to pick anyone from here for fantasy-wise. I'm thinking this is like a 1-1 draw because um, the two teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, if you wanted to go with, with a differential, um, Wynn has been tearing it up. Uh, Agadello has also been on a hot streak now that he was awarded that goal, um, which I don't, I don't think we mentioned. <laughs> he finally got that goal that he actually scored in the double game week. Um but yeah, I, I don't think anyone here, you know, for the big question, I don't think anyone here has such a great matchup that you're going to pick them over a double game week player. So uh, one, one, no clean sheets, maybe a, a goal here and there, but nothing to really bank on to overcome a DGW. And I'll give you a break from talking about Orlando from now, Mike, and feel free to jump <laughs> in, Phil, with this one. I know how much you'd like to, to talk about Houston, but uh, Houston at home usually means a lot of goals, at least it has in the past. Uh, Orlando will also be on their second leg of this double game week. Uh, so I think this is a bit of a wild card, depending on what happens in that first round. Uh, it ha- has potential. I could see something uh, 2-1 maybe in this game that that's plays into what Houston's been averaging so far. But uh, even with 13 goals in five games, and that we know that a lot of them were against Minnesota when they were still raw and try- really trying to find themselves. And not all of them came from open fields. So we had set pieces and, and some penalties. So uh, that's a bit of inflated numbers, I guess, right there. I still like their chances. Torres is doing well. Uh, Ellis is doing well. Uh, Kyoto's not really been playing a lot, so he is not someone that I would put on your radar if you're thinking about trying to get someone from, from this game. Uh, clean sheet-wise, I don't really care for Houston's chances. Uh, Orlando would maybe have the better chance, but again, I think we mentioned earlier, there's not a lot of history right now for Orlando as an away team with the defense. They're 50-50 as far as, as, far as that goes, so I, I can't recommend anyone based on that right now. So if you want something, I guess it's Torres. 
if you have Orlando players, you're hoping, I think, maybe for something happening in the first game, or maybe you're waiting for this game. I don't know, but uh, Kaká and Laren are the only likely options. But I don't know. It's it's lackluster for me. What do you think, Phil? Yeah, you know, this is uh, if you're looking at it from the Orlando City perspective, they're playing uh, Eastern Conference rival on Wednesday, so I think they go full bore for that game. If they rotate, I think it's in Houston for this game. Yeah. So that led me to look at Houston players. Now, the last two games for Houston have been on the road, and they went, they moved away from their attacking 4-3-3 and went to kind of a balanced or even slightly defensive 4-4-2. And uh, they, they got Cabezas back, and they used him as a defensive midfielder that they dropped in between the center backs, and he played actually as a third center back for most of the game this past week. Um, so that was a very defensive look from them. And the point of that, I think, is because on their first six games, they'd fly out to a lead and then they couldn't hold on to it. In the second half, they'd crumble uh, with their attacking 4-3-3. So, but those games were on the road, and so that's why they went a little bit more defensive. Now they're back at home against an Orlando team, I think, that's going to rotate. I think Houston goes for the 4-3-3 and gets two or three goals in this one. So I think if you want to capitalize on that, I think that Kubo Torres is the is the right play because he'll be at the point of the four three three. Now you might be tempted to get Alex because he's seven point six. He's been playing attacking mid in the four four two, but he'll be actually less offensive in the four three three because he'll be dropped back into the central midfield. And so, but he was putting up good numbers in that four three three to start with. So. I mean, Alex at 7.6, that could be an interesting differential as well. And uh, Kubo at 8.6 as a forward, less expensive than the double game week forwards you'd be looking at. So the one good thing about Jason being gone right now is he won't have to hear what I think you're going to say about the RSL versus Dallas game because I I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wow. I mean, RSL was so bad this past week. Um, that's two games in a row where they just put up total stinkers. Um, I know after the game, Petke was upset. He said he was disappointed in his team. Um, I mean, I, I kind of expect RSL to be a, a little improved at home. I, I mean, you got to be a little bit more confident in them uh, to play better this week. Um, I think they'll get uh, – maybe they'll have to do some extra sprints at practice or something because they performed so poorly. <laughs> Ouch. That's uh, – I mean, that's what my high school coach did, so I think that's probably what Peck That's did. like high school-level punishment there. <laughs> that's just what my mind goes to when I think of players being punished after a bad game, uh, since that's what I had to go through. Uh, it's just tough from a fantasy perspective, because, I mean, I guess if you're looking, it, it's tough for Dallas. I mean, Mike nailed it this past week. He, he went for a Rudy. That really paid off. I, I wish I had had that confidence in my own team, because <laughs> uh, I, did, I didn't play him. Um, it's tough for Dallas. We've been playing this. Uh, we've been playing Javi Morales at attacking mid, and that really has not worked out very well. I thought he was actually really poor against Portland. Um, whereas uh, somebody like Mauro Diaz would come back, he'd drop back, receive the ball in a hole, and then drive the ball forward. Javi did none of that. Um, he was kind of stranded, especially against uh, Guzman and, and Tra. Uh, so I don't. I think Dallas actually goes back to the four four two with Coleman in this game. I, I wouldn't really recommend him though. Uh, and then Barrios has been coming off the bench the last two games in a row, 
which worked uh, two games ago where he got the assist. But this past game, he sparked the offense but didn't get any fantasy points because of it. Uh, I do think Barrio starts, but that's a risk you're going to take. And especially at a double game week, you're not really going to buy into these single game week teams as much. On RSL, I'll, I'll recommend Rusnak to Jason, but to nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that's it in this game. Uh, two to one, Dallas. Nice. So is it going to be a, a bunker counterattack kind of game here? Well, Dallas has, I think, the lowest possession in the league or, or one of the lowest. We're in the 40s, like the low 40s, which is really bizarre for a team doing so well. But uh, possession really, in the last three years in MLS, possession hasn't equated to wins. Um, I think possession is, I think it does equate to shots against. I think it correlates to shots against. So I think you can limit what the other team can do when you hold on to the ball. But Dallas has found out uh, this amazing way to counterattack and get more goals out of it. Uh, when you counterattack, there's fewer defenders between the ball and the goal. And that actually um, inflates the goals for numbers. So if you're looking at expected goals for Dallas, it's like surprisingly low. It's uh second bottom. I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah. <laughs> second bottom only to Colorado. Oh, that's because we played a, a gamer through fewer than most teams. Uh, let's sort of fourth by game, uh, by game. Fourth bottom. One, yeah. So yeah. 1.04 per game um, yeah. ahead of sporting Kansas city, Montreal and Colorado. Yeah, so that's I think that most people would be surprised to hear that. But um, if you're looking at goals four per game, it's actually decent. And part of that is because expected goals doesn't consider how many defenders are between the, the ball and the goal when the shot is taken. And Dallas is going to have fewer defenders that have gotten back because they're on the counter most of the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's yeah, why yeah. Dallas is, is so effective and it doesn't show up in expected goals. Um, and RSL is struggling with winger. And uh, Schuler at the back, I think they'll they'll struggle with speed, like straight down the middle. I think Dallas just dumps a long ball down the middle and goes straight at him, and um, and has success that way. Whereas RSL is going to want to hold on to the ball and try to slow the game down. They're going to try to get the ball to Rusnak's feet, um, but that offense has not translated to to goals for them. Uh, so, and, and I know Yura has had another disappointing game this past week. So, uh, yeah, I think Dallas is the better team, and we'll, and we'll catch them a couple times on the counter. There you go. So, Mike, you mentioned this game a little bit earlier. Uh, L.A., uh, to put it nicely, I'm going to go, uh, they're a team without direction, and Chicago is hungry to prove that their direction leads them to the playoffs. So do you think this is the time that Chicago is going to get an away victory? I, I don't know about a victory, but I, I'm going to disagree with you that LA is a team without direction. They have a direction. It's down. It's <laughs> bad. <laughs> I mean, F Philadelphia is not a good team, and, and to be at home and not do better than what they did really speaks to – I don't know what's up with Giovanni Dos Santos, but it's like he's not playing. Um, Alessandrini is the only one generating anything, and for – you know. LA for all the star power and big names that are linked with it for the only thing to be happened is Alessandrini, you know, trying to get a few shots on goal. That it's just not good enough. Uh, Anoflo has not good, done a good job. Um, Chicago has been decent. So I'm thinking this is a one, one game. No one on there on here. <clears throat> I'm thinking is you, you can depend on to out uh, gun the double game week players. So um, one, one, I mean, if you're, 
desperate Alessandrini at home, but um, I I, th- I think there are better options um, even in midfield. So um, one one and leave this game al- alone. So is this not LA's just typical slow start to the season? You think it's more serious than that? Yeah, because I I, I think it's just there's just a disjointedness about them. Um, they just don't look fluid and i think it's it's more than just like the chances aren't going in like they're just not generating chances um and part of the problem is like they're just losing too much ground um it's not like you know in some of the games where la excuse me years where la's had a slow start they've kind of hung around they're they're not really hanging around they're getting left in the dust i mean right now if you think about the top six you're really only questioning whether or not, uh, you know, Houston can hold on and whether it's, you know, San Jose is, can can hold on with their def- with their offense as poor as it is. LA's not in the conversation right now. So I'm, I'm expecting them to do a big-name signing to try to turn that around and, and get above the red line. But right now, I, 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 it's, it's more than just the start of the season. It's they're not functioning in sync and something has been messed up to where what was the second-best defense last year is not doing it this year. I'm going to disagree a little bit here. Um, L.A. started at the season very poorly. Uh, I mean, everyone's seen their struggles. Uh, no matter what, I still don't trust Anolfo as the coach. But uh, actually, this past week, they played at home against Philly. I mean, it was the 0-0 draw. But if you look at the chances that L.A. had, they actually had three really good chances on goal. They uh, hit both posts, and the ball came back out. Uh, the old uh, Abdul Salam right there. <laughs> but the biggest difference for LA was that it, to start the season, Jao Pedro looked out of his depth completely. Yeah, uh, he, he didn't look like an MLS player, and, and that led to them being totally overrun in midfield, uh, especially when Jao Pedro is being paired with Jermaine Jones, who cannot be trusted as someone to hold this position, and, and, and you, you just don't know where he's going to be at at any time. Uh, he's... Uh, he just goes off his tether and just goes chases the ball. And sometimes it works and sometimes the ball gets right past him. And then Joe Pedro just got overrun completely. In this game, they put uh, Baggio Husidic as a partner for Joe Pedro. And that was night and day. Uh, just the discipline of Baggio to hold his position led to some stability in the midfield for LA. So actually, I think they're on a little bit of an upswing. Uh, I'm still, I mean, they're at home against a beatable Chicago team. Uh, is this, is this maybe the turning point of their season? Potentially. I mean, their season's going to be a total waste if it's not. So, I mean, if you're a real big gambler, I mean, try an LA player here. Try Alessandrini in this game. Oh, okay. Well, high praise, high praise from Phil. Well, let you do know about Western Conference teams, and here's a couple more for you. Last week, uh, San Jose pushed themselves over the red line with that win, uh, but that is where Portland has lived for the entire season. Do the Quakes have a chance against Portland this week, Phil, or do they need to pray for another ten man game? It's. I mean, San Jose is like a, a pig in the mud. They want to make the game as dirty as possible. <laughs> Uh, slow it down. I mean, the, if you have one word to describe San Jose, it's grind. They just want to grind the game every time they possibly can. And that's, uh, I mean, that's the Kinnear style, isn't it? He's just going to grind out results. It's not pretty. 
But uh, I think San Jose has a chance in this one, uh, especially for a draw, um, since they're incredible at grinding out draws. Uh, I mean, I had high praise for Youngworth to start the show, and I'll just uh, uh, pile it on here again. I mean, San Jose, they just they sit back in this this bunker, like no matter what the game state is, they'll be losing, they'll still be sitting back. I think Kinnear only has one strategy. That's the four-four-two bunker. There's really no other. He doesn't have a, a second option. There's no plan B, and that really invites a ton of pressure on their center backs and, and central midfielders. And so, you see, somebody like Youngworth, somebody like Godoy, Seren, they get ton of defensive actions every game. And it's going to be like this for the entire season. Like no matter if they're winning, losing, they're going to always be clearing out long balls that come into their center backs. So I think Youngworth is a play like every week, no matter who San Jose is playing, he's going to consistently get all these defensive actions all the time. Uh, of course, you really want to pair that with a chance for a clean sheet. And against Portland with a high-flying offense, it's that's tough. Now, Valeri could still be out. But the problem with that was I, I was at the game here in Frisco uh, when this past weekend Portland came to town and played Dallas. And without Valeri, I was expecting a Dallas win, like we always do at home. But uh, Sebastian Blanco was moved in from the wing, from the, his usual right-wing position. Mm -hmm. He played attacking midfielder at the 10, and he was great. He had a really uh, a standout game. Uh, he had a goal in the second half where he uh, faked a shot. He froze all the defenders in the box, took a dribble, and found some open space. Really a phenomenal play from him. So I... I think even if Valeri's out, I think Portland is still going to score a goal or two. Uh, people were asking me this past week, is is uh, Dallas a good clean sheet option? They're at home against a Valeri-less Portland offense. And I said, oh, you know, it's a possibility, but uh, with Adi in the game, there's always a chance for him to get a goal off a set piece, a corner kick, just because he's so physically dominant, that one-on-one -on -one battle, he can. there's always a chance for him to score. And uh, you know what? He wasn't even one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody covered him for a free kick goal. He just waltzed in and headed the ball in. Um, so I think I think Adi has, has still has a good shot to score here. Now, I wouldn't pick him because they're up against San Jose. San Jose is going to prioritize their defense. So I don't know in this game. Youngworth is expensive for a single-game weak center back. He's more expensive than, like for example, Sporting Kansas City's defenders. So you'd want to get them first, I think, on a double game week before you get a, a single game week defender. Youngworth is 5.9, so one of the more expensive defenders. And then another weird thing was that Kinnear dropped both fullbacks this past game. He dropped Lima and he dropped Francis, and he played Cato at right back, who was actually really good. Cato had a really good game, but that's a problem because Nick Lima is a really popular 4.6 option. Um, so I think... From what I heard after the game, I think the commentators during the game mentioned that Lima had a slight injury that, that kept him on the bench for this one. So, But now that Cato had such a good game, I don't know if Lima comes back in or not. So this is a really tough one. I think on a double game week, I think you prioritize double game week players. After yeah, a lot, of, all lot that, of questions around this game make it not as appealing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Now, Godoy is 7.4, and he is, again, going to get a ton of defensive action. So... I mean, maybe try that. Uh, if that uh, that's kind of a long shot to get you a good amount of points, but maybe that's my recommendation. Godoy at 7.4 in the midfield. 
Pretty solid. Pretty solid indeed. Yeah. Uh, so next we have Minnesota sporting Kansas City. Minnesota was so close to a second home shutout last week, and it just slipped through their fingers, as as we've seen happen so many times to so many teams this season. Um, I, I think this game against sporting Kansas City could easily be very similar to what they experienced last round. I, I, I can see this. 0-1 Sporting's favor or maybe 1-1. Uh, just Kansas tends to, Sporting Kansas City tends to bunker up on the road. I think they've allowed one goal and one away game. It's, it's not much. They're stingy. So I, I don't see a lot of offensive action here. Uh, and Minnesota's in a strange place. They're, they're starting to find their footing in MLS, but they just hit another rough patch. And uh, I, I think this could easily be uh, an upset favoring Sporting Kansas City, just not a blowout. I think it's another bunker encounter situation, maybe hoping Dom Dwyer can get another goal out of this or that uh, Benny gets something if they're not having that heavy rotation. So this could that could be another factor. You just got to kind of wait and see. Uh, well, I guess you can't wait and see. As we talked about before, we can't wait and see. It's just you got to go with your gut. For this one, uh, I, I think you're really just going to be betting on the Sporting Kansas City players from earlier in the game week to be just carry you through to this time. But potentially, you could get two clean sheets out of them, so their defenders still rank high for me. And finally, Mike, I'll let you talk about your team before we close it all out. New York City really spread the goals last week. There are all, all the love, all the fantasy points are spread around all kinds of people. Uh, do you think the same thing's going to happen now that they're back at home, or do you think Atlanta's relentless attack is going to put them on the defensive? I, I think it's actually a little bit more of the, of, of the latter. I, I'm not really sold in Atlanta, but what worries me about this game is Atlanta is a high-pressing team. Um, the other team uh, you know, to relate them to is the New York Red Bulls. Um, very relentless, very pressing, and as we see even this week against Columbus, New York City defenders tend to make mistakes when they're trying to pass through um, from the back uh, in that style that Patrick Vieira is very insistent on. And I'm not sure that's the style that really works best against Atlanta. Uh, you know, DC had a lot of success just sitting back and countering. Atlanta wasn't able to break them down. Um, unfortunately, I think the way that Patrick Vieira plays uh, is going to play right into Atlanta's style. I think Atlanta is going to make New York City make mistakes get turnovers and then create um, really good opportunities off of those turnovers. So I, I can easily see this being in, in a way win for Atlanta, um, probably a high scoring game because I, I don't know how much, how well Atlanta's defense is going to do against New York city. So I'm, I'm thinking two one Atlanta um, as far as fantasy players. I, I don't know that anyone's great. Um, maybe David Villa at home or, or if you want to go with Almiron again, I think those would be good options. Uh, I don't personally, I don't think any of them are good enough to overcome the DDW options. But if, if you had to go with anyone, I, I think David Villa off a, a week where he was, you know, missed some time for sick. I, I, when he, before he was sick, I think he'll be a good option. Uh, and then Almiron, because I think they'll get some turnovers and, and he'll be able to, to create passes that'll generate points and assists and possibly goals. Okay. Well, now we're going to get on to player picks. Thank you so much, guys, for breaking down those games. I hope everyone found that useful. Uh, player picks, keepers. I'm going to start out. Uh, Blaine sent me over some of his picks, and so he couldn't join us tonight, but I'm going to read to you all what he has. And like I was saying earlier, Sporting Kansas City on defense, two potential clean sheets. So clean sheet uh, keeper for Blaine is Malia. Mike? I have the same, Malia. 
Same. All right. Swept. Swept with keepers. Now, defenders. Mike, who do you like? Well, I like sporting Kansas City um, defenders, but I only have one of them. <laughs> uh, I have Apara, Specter, Long, and Lawrence. Phil? Uh, yeah, I, the first defenders I looked at were SKC. Uh, so I have Madronda and Apara. Uh, I'm a little concerned about Madronda being rotated, uh, especially because he plays in midfield. They have a, a couple other wingers they can put in, like Blessing or something to that effect. Um I have long in there right now, but I, I'm not. I'm not sure on these double game week defenders yet. I, I need to tinker around a little bit more. Then, as for Blaine goes, he has a, a, a pretty much a full lineup of Sporting Kansas City as well. Madronda, Opara, Beasler in there, and then he throws in Morrow. But they does have long as a switcheroo option. Yeah. Now midfield, Phil. Who do you like? Well. I mean, my first thought was question, but he has been a little bit off lately. Um, is this the right time for Failhopper? Um, I know he was injured to, uh, toward the beginning of the year, but seems to be a good uh, seems to be in good form now. And uh, Sporting Kansas City is definitely on the rise. Uh, so I was looking toward him. Then on Toronto, I'm still deciding between Vasquez and, and I hadn't considered Bradley before, but. Uh, Mike's right in that he'll play both games almost assuredly and uh, get, you know, 10 or 12 points that way, uh, which is a great. And then I was trying to figure out, uh, I think, I think I have room here for kind of a cheaper singer, single game week midfielder. And so this is where I put in somebody like Alex from Houston or uh, Godoy from San Jose. Um, and then, I mean, I think Ladera is going to have a really good game, but at 11.5, I, I don't think I can fit him in when it comes to all these other double game week players that are out there. That's fine. Blaine's keeping it simple. He's going with Kleschen, Vasquez, and a kind of a wild card, but I like it. Will Johnson. Mike, who do you have? I have um, the big names, Benny Failhaber, Sasha Kleschen, um, Bradley, uh, just Bradley, Mike. <laughs> mixing them up with BWP uh, and then Vasquez um, my kind of strategy there was get the midfielders who are um, consistent uh, bonus point generators so you have a better chance at accumulating and getting a higher score what do you think about Vasquez being rotated though because they have a, a glut of central midfielders that they can put in there I think Vasquez is a rotation risk well I mean, I mean it's it's possible but I mean, even when he has been rotated and played less than 90 minutes, he's still put up like five or eight points. So even if he does get rotated, I, I figure he's a decent enough um, offensive presence that he can still generate points in those situations. Uh, I mean, the problem is like all of these players, like I'm not super confident none of them will be rotated. I mean, even Branko Bradley, they have two double game weeks in a row. So it wouldn't shock me if he got rotated for part of that time just to give him a little bit of a break. So, I'm, I mean, and part of this is, all of these players, when you look at like, there's some sort of rotation risk. Uh, I mean, maybe when I see the lineups for you know Orlando and Toronto, I'll yeah. feel a little bit better. Oh yeah. Um, but, and I mean, you know, for Vasquez, I'm kind of hoping more for the first game than the second game, anyway. That's true. You get you see Toronto's lineup, so if Vasquez is starting, then you you have a lot of confidence that he'll get you you know eight points or something. Right. Yeah. And you gotta be careful, Mike. There's only one person who can refer to Bradley Wright Phillips as just Brad. And Bradley, <laughs> that's Tim Shaw. 
<laughs> sure, there's a few uh, others, maybe a part of his family, but as far as this podcast goes, it's just Tim. <laughs> I apologize, Tim, for, for stepping on your, your ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving to four wards, uh, Blaine is throwing all in with Toronto this round, and he's going with Geo and Altador. Who do you like, Mike? That's gold. I, I know, have, right? I have Giovinco and Dom. Um, I don't know if I can call him Dom. You know, <laughs> I'm not Sydney Larue, but uh, yeah, I mean Dom's been hot, and I, I think that matchup against Minnesota is is too good to pass up. Um, but I mean that that's one of the big choices for me because that ha- means I have to take out a Sporting Kansas City uh, defender because you can only have four. So, uh, but yeah, I just have the two of them. I have Giovinco and Dwyer, and then Edwards sitting on the bench. Cool. Man, we have so many options here, and I think this is the pick that decides if you move up or down this week. Ooh. I think you got to get the right double game week forward. Um, I mean, I'm going with Giovinco just just like because the reasons I said before, he's going to get. Numerous shots every game. He's involved in the attack. He dribbles. Um, he's going to take free kicks. Um, so I prefer him over Josie, even at the price point. Then I think the the double game week forward you select here is going to decide your week. If you pick Laren, BWP, or Dwyer, I think that's the decision. And I don't know what the answer is at this point. So I'm going to consider it tomorrow and and then make a decision. But uh, Maybe do a little bit of research on your own and figure out uh, who's in the best form and uh, look at their expected goals and um, how many shots they get per game and things like that to make your decision. I, I'm not. I'm not really sure yet. I don't know. I think that that's fair. That's fair. Even even uh, some of the experts can be go through that process every now and then. I mean, these are Eastern Conference teams, right? So I, I'm, I'm leaning toward <laughs> this uh, out of your wheelhouse. I'm leaning toward Dwyer because I understand his game, but uh, but he's a risk. He has lower expected goals than these other forwards. Uh, I think that's because Sporting Kansas City took a long time to boot up the season and get their attack going. But uh, now with a three-goal game this past week, I think I have a lot more confidence in their attack. Sure, sure. And finally, Captain Mike, who do you like? I, I have Giovinco. Um, it's just he has the highest ceiling of them all. Um, I know everyone's a rotation risk kind of, but I, I think he, he's the one who can hit it big. And also, I mean, everything is so tight. Um, I mean, I, I was only probably about 20 points better than the average and I moved up 500 spots. A lot of people are going to go with Giovinco this week. So if he hits and you're not, you don't have the armband on him, you're going to drop real far, um, regardless of what you do with the rest of the team, because we're all picking from the four, you know, for four teams. So there's going to be a lot of similarities there. So I'm just going to kind of stick with the pack. If you want to be big and bold differential, you can go somewhere else. But I, I think the safest bet is Giovinco because he has the highest ceiling out of anyone. Phil? Yeah, not only does he have the highest ceiling, but he has a, a high floor as well. Uh, even when he doesn't score, he had a lot of shots this past week, attacking bonus. He gets fouled. He uh, gets assists frequently. Uh, so, uh, so, I mean... <laughs> It's so boring, but you're going to – I mean, Giovinco is the right choice, it seems. It happens. Sometimes it happens. Blaine agrees. So all across the board, three geos right there. Bingo. Geo bingo. Uh, now I'm going to throw a curveball for you guys. I know I didn't ask you to prep this, so just give me your gut. If you had to pick one single game week player, who is it for Blaine? It's Torres. Mike, who do you want? I would have um, Jovan Jones from Seattle. On defense. 
Yeah, I think they have a good chance. And plus, he's been getting so many assists, getting so involved in the attack um, with a weakened Toronto team, you know, playing midweek at home. I, I think that's a interesting option. Phil? Uh, at any price, I'd say Ladero. Um, yeah. At a reasonable price, uh, how about Alex from Houston at 7.6? All right. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for those picks. I hope everyone out there in fantasy land on the SoundCloud podcast and maybe over at MLSsoccer.com finds this helpful to help you prepare for your double game week teams and your roster setting. Remember, that does lock at 7.30 on Wednesday, so don't get shut out. Getting ready to wrap things up. Moving on to community time. Three-way tie in the R slash Fantasy MLS League this week. Uh, Bruce McGregor, Jeffrey Bitterling, and our good friend from MLS Fantasy Boss and the Reddit, uh, Bit Nomad, all cat in the highest score of 106 points. So congrats, guys. Wow. You all rocked. Yeah, that's great. Good great job. points. 106. Uh, over in Patreon, RJ Gage has been handed his first defeat. And now I have taken the lead in the Patreon uh, contributors special head-to-head league. Uh, I am 7-0-1, just like RJ Gage. We're both 7-0-1, but I am edging him out with uh, 664 points right now. So thank you, Mr. Frumble, for beating RJ Gage and helping me get that, that number one spot. Going into the MLS Fantasy Insider hosts head-to-head league, uh, Mike, you took on Simon, and congrats, man. You won. You got that one. Yeah, I, I beat the cat team. Um, something else we should also mention: uh, Simon did not make transfers this week and had the second best score of everyone. <laughs> yes, it was ninety-seven to eighty-seven. Yeah, he had Youngworth, he had Agadello, he had uh, Captain Lewin, and <laughs> he was second wow. best of all. His dumb luck, his his sheer dumb luck. But he faced uh, the best player this week, which happened to be me. So it was. That's, that's how it always goes. That's how it always goes. I figured I'd lose to Weeby, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> guy took on Tim and edged him out seventy to sixty-six. Uh, Krola took on Ivan and beat another big European team. So 81 to 68, uh, Andrew takes down fantasy football first, uh, fantasy football 24 seven played against Phil this round. And how'd you hand up against those guys? Oh, say can you <laughs> suck it England? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Was that Jason just then? Yeah. 70 to 78. So good job, Phil. I rebel. Uh, Football 24-7. I think they're still pretty <laughs> high in the overall score, though. Uh, next, we had Jason took on Blaine and lost 77-81. to 81. Uh, Blaine was particularly looking forward to getting to rub that in into Jason's face this round. But uh, nope, nope, he's gallivanting around. So, Blaine, next time. Next time you can get him. As I said, I took on Andrew Weeby, and early on in the week, I got a couple of uh, tweets on, on Twitter congratulating me on uh, having a bye week this round against Weeby, and that's what happened. Uh, he got the lowest score of 60 points, so my 73 was enough to continue me on a, a number one overall with this league. And then finally, Travis took on uh, Ben Bear from MLS and edged him out 66 to 62, so that was a pretty tight one right there. Next round, I am taking on Jason. Blaine is taking on Fantasy Football 24-7. Phil, you are taking on Krola. Uh, Ivan the Terrible from Fantasy Football First is taking on Guy Sanchez. Tim is taking on Michael. Good luck, Mike. Simon is taking on Travis. And Ben Bear is taking on Andrew Weeby. Uh, tweet those guys. Let's get some trash talk back and forth on Twitter. That could be fun. Ben Bear and Andrew Weeby will see what happens. Or call into the Hot Take Hotline and see if we can get something going there on Extra Time Radio. 
Could be fun. Could be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all that I have for the show tonight. Uh, guys, do you have anything you want to plug? No, nothing in particular. Uh, just want to apologize to Tyler for not being able to talk about Wondolowski this week. So, <laughs> <and> then, <laughs> yeah, but man. clearly, if, if there were double game week forwards from the West, I mean, that, that's that's our top of the list, right? Easily. I, I mean, maybe I should have said Wando is the, your single game week option. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know Tyler's going to have him on his team with the armband. So, <laughs> clearly, um, nope. the show league is so much fun. It, the, yeah. We're kind of in the middle of a league now, but or middle of a season. But uh, if you get a chance on Twitter, you got to join this league. It's a ton of fun. Uh, we pick uh, players and games each week and uh, and see who has the, the highest score. So it's kind of a cool alternative to the MLS fantasy. And it uh, just so happens I took on Jason in the Show League Champions <laughs> League this past week, and I beat him. So just to pile it on a little bit more. But uh, actually, I'm cheering for Jason this week in uh, MLS fantasy here, taking on Reed. We got to knock down Reed a few notches so that I can uh, take the top spot. <laughs> it's all good you never know what's going to happen we'll we'll see we'll see so come on jason let's go who's that captain team reed. i don't know i don't know how that's worked out for people in the past with team jason <laughs> well of course you can find all my stuff over at mlsfantasyboss.com there's all kinds of great articles about lots of great authors we have a new one this week who's going to be having an article about expected goals been a hot stat topic this year so check that out at mlsfantasyboss.com be sure to visit r slash fantasy mls the reddit subreddit community great chat goes on there great conversations great articles and check out everything that gets posted over at mlssoccer.com in the fantasy section top 50 players player recommendations all kinds of little things from travis every now and then as well so lots of good resources out there to help you get your team set for the week so that being said good luck <laughs>